What's up, guys? It's John Nelson, and you are listening to the Starting Block Podcast. This is a show for complete athletic development. Our goal, our mission here is to give you the tools to win, whether you're the athlete, the parent, or the coach. Now, if you're new to the show, welcome. Appreciate you joining. Here's how we operate. We're a little different. We actually have multiple shows within the show. So, first type of episode you'll get from us is a Q&A. That is a bi-weekly episode. That's where myself and uh, my co-host, Chris Scarborough. What's up, sir? Hey, good afternoon. That is where Chris and I will take the questions you guys submit to us, and uh, we'll tackle them there. That can be anything from training, performance, rehab, nutrition, all the neuro voodoo stuff that you guys like so much, extreme isometrics, any of that type of stuff. We'll tackle that on the Q&A. Um, you can DM us if you want, um, or Chris, where else can they submit questions? Info at startingblockpodcast.com. And while I'm thinking about it, our... We do have a Starting Block podcast Instagram page. It is starting to grow. I've noticed we've gotten um, a handful of more followers. As you'll see, that account's not active. We'll get it active soon. You can follow me at Farmer John ELP on Instagram. And Chris, what is your handle again? Fast and Agile 49. Right, and that's how you can get the show information, guys. Um, <clears throat> so that's our Q&A. Uh, next episode you'll get from us is a guest interview. That's another bi-weekly episode. That's like every other podcast on the planet. It's where we bring in our colleagues from across the country, the globe. They share their tools of success with what they do with their clients, their patients, um, what they do in their gyms, um, their clinics, et cetera. Um, that's the guest interview, and then you'll get maybe – once a quarter or so, you'll get a Friday fire or fact, which is essentially 15 minutes of me brain dumping or ranting on something related to this industry. And uh, I put one out for the first time in a couple months, and I will tell you that my cup is starting to overflow, and I'm boiling with quite a few things that I will probably drop on y'all <laughs> soon. So that's how our show operates. We don't run ads, but I do ask that you pay your dues and share the show. Um, if you got value out of this, just you know, share and support this mission, guys. We're on a mission to cut through all the bullshit that's out there. There's so much garbage out there on social media, um, so many different influencers who, just because they look good, athletes, parents, coaches, think that they have the answers. And uh, we're here as two old guys to prove them wrong and to show you that, hey, this is actually how you do shit to, uh, to win. So, yeah, that's the breakdown. Um, so, anyways, how's it going, Chris? Doing well, doing well. Are you ready for some uh, Q&A? Yeah, sure. Why not? Hit me. All right. What Here we, we go. Got? All right. All right. Question number one. When is it time to stop playing a particular sport? <laughs> now, if you'd like a little bit of background, this is someone who is getting so busy playing multiple different sports that it's time to drop one. Okay. It's getting, okay. So just, or drop multiple. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure which. So. When is it time to stop playing a particular sport? Well, boy, that's a loaded question. Yes, the, it is. The, fa the fact that we're even that we even have to discuss this and bring this topic up just shows the current state of athletics in our country. Like, we shouldn't have to have the conversation here about whether or not and when it's time for an athlete to stop playing. Athletes should be able to play as long as they're competitive. They should be able to play all the way through high school. I feel like it used to be the delineation was getting into college, but now it's, you know, seventh, eighth grade, freshman years when kids have to start dropping sports because, like you said, they're getting too busy, and that, that's wrong in and of itself. So the topic in itself is wrong, and I hate that we even have to have that conversation. But our society is the way it is, so I guess let's dig into it. Um, 
<laughs> the simple right. answer is uh, is when you start riding the bench. That's probably when you should quit. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, yeah. You know, I, I don't know. I think the answer is really it's very individual and specific to you know the person and what their goals are, what what they're trying to accomplish. Right. Like if you're, you know, if we're just talking like real talk, if you're a five five like you know white dude, like you know, you're probably not going to make it to D one basketball. You know, you might want to focus on a different sport. Right. Yeah. Well, especially a five five white dude with no talent. You know, now you really right. have. Yeah. No, it's probably a right. good. Yeah, it's a good thing to try to. Uh, yeah, fi- find a different route. So no, yeah. no question. I think usually what you see now is that line is. I feel like most freshmen these days, freshmen in high school, they're usually still trying to accomplish playing two, three sports at a time. But usually by their sophomore year is usually when things start to narrow down. You start to see kids say, okay, I'm going to focus on this sport, you know, for high school. Right. I'd say that unfortunately, even though we're in that state, that's usually a good time to, because you kind of already know where you're probably headed in those sports. Mm-hmm. And so an athlete should be able to make that decision. That's just from the very like uh, surface level answer. We can obviously right. go a lot deeper. I don't know. What are your thoughts from a surface level perspective or macro perspective? Sure. I, I mean, <clears throat> let's stop and think about it for just a minute. So there's multiple reasons why you would you know choose to play one sport and to stop playing another. I mean, they could be anything from, I don't love playing that a particular sport anymore. Well, guess yeah. what? If you don't love it, it's time to stop. You know, mm-hmm. it's time to stop. Um, I hear, I still hear it, and it still happens. You know, I, they're doing it to please a parent. Okay, and dads out there, chances oh, yeah. are you're going to be more guilty than the moms. That that said, there's some moms who are guilty out there too, but dads, sometimes it's time to listen to your kid and listen to a lot of what is oftentimes nonverbal, and they're trying to tell you, I don't love this sport. I don't enjoy this sport anymore. I'm doing this for you. Chances yeah. are that person, that particular kid, you're going to see a huge performance drop off. Mm-hmm. Because once you stop loving a sport, you play like you no longer love that sport. All right? I don't care how talented you are. If you don't love it, you're not going to play well. Um, mm-hmm. So that's, you know, it could be it could be a reason why I just don't love it. Okay, if, if you don't love it, stop, stop. You know? Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, um, maybe, uh, maybe the reason is you don't like the scheduling. You don't like the fact that, Hey, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. I love running. I love going out and going for a run, but I don't want to have to run, you know, this many miles, you know, this many days a week because of my, you know, fill in the blank, you know, cross country or or you know, distance running track team, or even a wrestling team, for example. That that some of those still run a lot, do a lot of running. So you know, okay, then it's probably time to stop playing that sport. You know, if you just hate that aspect of it enough to where it's 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 cutting into your enjoyment of that particular sport. You know, maybe that's it. Well, Who see, knows? I'm gonna play devil's advocate because you're gonna get the other people, the people on the other side of that discussion, saying that that's the entitlement age that we live in. But right. I hear it every day about baseball programs that are running conditioning five days a week in August, 
or they're scrimmaging a couple days a week, which I actually, technically, I guess I don't have a problem with, but right. it's all the other practices and lifting and things like that where it's a full-time job in high school starting in August. And so you have those kids come back in. You know, they come to see us later, and they're talking about how things are already hurting all the time. They already hate doing this. It, it, it literally deconstructs the team you're trying to build as a coach when you try to implement all this other stuff in and try to keep them busy 24-7. You're going to have these kids that want to drop off quicker. I see it happen all the time. Right, and probably, and probably it should. Now, I will say this. No, I, I will 100% disagree that if you uh, – and I realize you were playing devil's advocate there, but I will 100% disagree. People have stopped enjoying playing particular sports forever. That is not a new phenomenon. Okay, mm-hmm. that you know, I just don't like baseball anymore. It's too slow a sport. I remember kids who played one year when I was a kid, and they were great football or great basketball or great fill in the blank, but they did not enjoy baseball because it was too slow for them. I get that. You know what? I can't imagine someone like a a hockey player who grows up playing hockey also enjoying playing baseball. For some reason, those two don't seem like they would mix very well. You know. You know, because it's like one thing you don't stop and the other one you're always stopped. You know, mm-hmm. it's a, you know, so I could see where, you know, someone who, who might enjoy one thing might not enjoy another. Okay. So those types of things, remember if you don't love it or if your kid, if you're a parent out there and your kid doesn't love it, stop making them play it. All right. Or if you're the kid, it's okay. You know, it's okay to play a sport because you enjoy it, not because you, feel forced to do it. All right. Right. That's, and like I said, that is not new. Uh, I stopped playing basketball way before I stopped playing baseball. And that's just, you know, I got to where I hated it. I didn't enjoy it anymore. And <laughs> I also wasn't very good at it. Um, uh, the, the kind of back to that point of when it's time to stop, well, you know, John, you said when it's time, when you ride the bench or Hey, when you don't make the team, <laughs> you try yeah. for a team, you don't even make it. It's like, okay, well, there's a choice made for you, right? I think um, another good indicator, and I think one that goes missed a lot, is when you're a freshman or a sophomore in high school, or maybe younger, and you start to see all these little injuries pile start to pile up, that there's constantly something going on. Newsflash, right. when you're 14 years old, you shouldn't have multiple issues already. That's not a normal thing. Yes, you're probably going to have aches and pains periodically. And yes, there might actually be an injury that occurs. You know, right. I don't care how strong you are or how many sports you play. If some kid takes out your knee, your knee's going to explode. It is what it is. So there are things you can't prevent. But when you sure. have someone who should be quote unquote healthy and they have all these little minor things and they're going 24 7, that's an indication look, you have got to pull back. And I think most kids probably aren't going to do that because they are too cluttered with the whole David Goggins type of, I have to work 25 hours out of 24 hours, no sleep to get better. And that's not how it works. More is not better. And so you've got to be able to recognize as the parent or the coach where it's time to pull back just a little bit. I can think of one kid who he actually listens to this show, I believe. And this young man has a, a good, good bit of talent. He, he could go somewhere. He's a freshman right now. He, he could make it to the next level, but mm-hmm. there's always something wrong with him. He always has an ache or pain, and the kid can literally get out here once a week to come see us, once. And every time, he can barely get through a workout or a speed session or something because this hurts or that hurts or this hurts. It's like, bro, you have got to pull back. 
Mm-hmm. And at what point do you make the decision? If my school is making me go from, you know, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. five days a week, and I'm trying to play two sports and my body's breaking down, at what point do you have the newsflash, look, you have to pull back? Right. Yeah. And, and so, yes. So we, we, we have, you know, don't enjoy it. We have, hey, I, you know, parents making me do it. We now have, let's, uh, you know, I, I'm not talented. I'm not good enough to even make the team. And now, like you said, little injuries piling up. Well, now it's time to pick one, okay, or, or, or maybe choose one and, and drop the other or, or maybe drop two. I mean, I, if you're a three-sport athlete, maybe you drop two of them, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, because it's, it may just be too much, especially as the demand for each one of those individual sports gets too much. <laughs> you know, so absolutely. You know, and there's got to be a time to train as an athlete. And this falls back onto the coaches and it falls back onto the parents as well because they should be aware of what their child is getting involved with and they should make the effort to learn and educate educate themselves. Obviously, I'd love for you to listen to this show and educate yourself, but there's a ton of other good resources out there. And so <clears throat> your kid has to have an opportunity to grow as an athlete. And somewhere along the road, our society flipped to where there has to be more skill work. It's skill 24-7, right? We've got to play summer travel ball. We've got to play fall ball. Then we've got to play spring ball. And kids are playing year-round. <clears throat> and they never have an opportunity to develop as an athlete. And not only does that hurt them physically, that also hurts them mentally. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. hurts them mentally because if they're stuck in this cycle – you know, of up and down, or maybe they're kind of on and off the bench, and they never have a chance to actually step away and enter into a culture that knows how to win, that knows how to develop athletes, then they might quit before they're ready to or before they even recognize their potential. I can think of another kid I got right now. We were just talking, and this school, I hadn't even talked to you about this. <clears throat> this kid is starting to kind of make make a name for himself around our area. I think mm-hmm. he's a freshman or sophomore. I can't remember. Baseball, basketball player. The kid has already put on in like four months. He's put on 25 pounds, and he went from not even being able to dunk a basketball to now he's able to dunk it with two hands. <laughs> two. Nice. I think his vertical has gone up something like seven or eight inches already. Right. And when this kid came in, I know where his confidence level was. Mm-hmm. Not because you know Dad told me, but because I could see it, I could read it. You could see his body language, right? You could see just how he carried himself. Now you see him, and this dude's ready to kick some ass. He's ready to get back out there on the court or the field, whatever he decides if he's going to pick, mm-hmm. and he's going to dominate. Yeah, and kids need that opportunity. They need the opportunity to build their their skill or build their athleticism and build their mental conditioning as well. And in my opinion, we've reached a point in society where there is not always done on the field. I think it's done outside the field. Yeah, and I think a lot of times too, whatever you love, whatever you love doing, it it will come out, right? You you love playing basketball in this case. You love developing the skills or the some of those abilities that go that, that directly tie into playing basketball. That will start to shine, right? And you and you'll and here's what's crazy. You will have more energy to do those things that you love to do. Then you will those things that I'm like, eh, you know, I can take it or leave it. Or, eh, I'm only doing this for, you know, mom or dad. Or, eh, you know, what, you know, fill in the blank for whatever reason, but I, I'm not really motivated to play, you know, I love basketball, but I hate baseball, for example. You know, 
then you're guess what? You're probably going to be a liability to your baseball team, even if you have a, ta- a lot of talent. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's uh, you're you're and not only that, but you're you're going to probably not going to have those same injuries because everything is better when you start working on those things towards your love, which is basketball in this case. I'm going to get in better condition. I'm going to recover faster because and my attitude is better. Everything is better because I'm doing what I love doing. Okay, mm-hmm. regardless of where you went, whether you end up playing at the next level or not, doesn't matter. Okay, because you know I, I I'm of the firm belief I I want to train people to be the best they can be right now. I'm not really concerned uh, if they play D one uh, in in whatever sport. I really don't care. You know, if they want to do that, I want to help them get there. But I've got so many kids who are like, you know, I don't know if I want to do, if I want to run track in, in college or if I want to play baseball in college or not. You know, I'm in 10th grade. Good for good for them. Play the sport because you love it. Don't worry about playing the sport because it's going to get me a scholarship down the road. That's probably not the reason if that's your if that's your only reason, it's probably not the best reason to be playing a sport. No, I would agree with that. I, I do think there is the other side of the equation. If you are naturally gifted in something, and it's pretty obvious, even if it's not your main sport, then that's a conversation you'd have with yourself and your family and your coaches about it. But you know, it doesn't matter whether you go D one, D two, D three, JUCO, NAIA, whatever. It's all life changing. Mm-hmm. So if you have yeah. the opportunity to get your school paid for and get an education. Yeah, you know, it, it's probably worth it to a degree as well. So I can see yeah. it from both sides of the equation, mm-hmm. of course. Yeah. But when your body starts breaking down at 14, 15 years old, it's time to pull back. Yeah. If you're not going to be willing to make those lifestyle adjustments that you need to, or you work with coaches that are not flexible and aren't willing to allow you to be able to work outside or to seek the proper services you need to develop yourself physically. Right. Then it's time to it's time to make a change. Right. Agreed. Yep. All right. So All right. What's next? Question two. Question two. My knees hurt when I do squats. What do I do? Give me some questions. Yeah. Question or statement. <laughs> Both. Uh so get what are some general ideas or some general ways to uh because uh, we can't see this this person, we can't yeah. assess this person. We don't know exactly what they're doing. It could because it could be mechanical. It could be you know, but let's assume they're squatting properly, okay? Because since we cannot see this person, let's assume they're squatting properly with with good mechanics. Their knees still hurt. What's going on, John? Okay, so well, admittedly, I'm going to say we don't squat a ton at ELP. I'm just not really a believer in having a huge squat. I'm not saying it's bad. I just think there's other ways to develop characteristics. So I am not a squat expert. I personally also do not squat a lot. And that is something because I actually have a legitimate medical reason. When I have a piece of bone missing in my back, I cannot take that pressure on my spine. I just can't, I can only go so far. I basically stop at 225. I can't, my back can't handle. So I don't have a ton of experience in that realm. Now, when we do squat though, I coach box squatting, like not, touch a box and come up west side sit back open the hips up box squatting that's mm-hmm. what i coach so that's where my perspective's coming from um okay so very so, hip dominant very, very, very hip dominant, hip dominant. Right. 
Right. right. So which that alone is going to take a lot of load off the knees because the does. hips are taking a big load. Yes. It does. And you see that a lot with athletes at all levels when they squat. They always initiate the move with the knees. And I think that's because they were, you know, either they weren't educated properly on it uh, or, you know, they just lacked supervision as they were learning. But it should be initiated with the hips. The hips should push back. Then as we go down, then yes, it's okay for the knees to track over the toes. Absolutely. In the squat, it's fine. Now, in the box squat, that's not how I coach it. I coach you to really sit the hips back to where when you get to the box, essentially your shins are 90 degrees to the ground. Right? That's like old school west side way. Mm-hmm. So if your knees are hurting, I'd say step one, take a look at your form. Are you initiating the move with your knees or are you initiating the movement with the hip? And if it's the knee, then that's probably a good answer for you right there. All right. You know, yes, agreed totally. Um, and using that similar idea, now I, did, I knew nothing about Westside at the time, but uh, about 30 years ago when I had terrible tendonitis, both knees, both patellar tendons, awful uh, tendonitis pain, um, that's exactly how I got rid of it, was basically becoming a much more hip-dominant squatter. And the stress off the knees was just reduced, and so the pain went away. So that's absolute, absolutely can work. Depending, well, it's also again, a benefit for the athletes, too, because or anybody, for that matter, general fitness and gen pop, because hips are naturally very, very weak in most people. Right. So like, it just makes sense to develop you know, <laughs> a basic west side type of box squat. Absolutely, yes. I tell you what, though, also, you know, in addition to, yes, the mechanics, yes, check your mechanics. By the way, there's tons of videos. John, you probably have them on your site. Um, on the uh, on your YouTube page, yeah, on, I have a box bare, squatting video. Box squatting video, um, and, and you know there there's lots of, of resources there. Once again, that you can check out if you're not sure what that box squatting technique is. But um, it 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 really does it make it turns you from a more of a knee squatter into much more of a hip squatter, and that does help. Um, one other thing though, John is is something that uh, you and I have discussed before, and that's using the newbie. To just loosen a lot of a lot of times, mm-hmm. just take someone through a loosening session. Calves, uh, the soleus muscle, the the deep lower calf muscle, um, loose just loosening those with the newbie uh, beforehand. Yeah, frequently reduces knee pain, but, but especially if you do a full lower body loosening, you know, for you know mm-hmm. knees, uh, excuse me, calves, hamstrings, IT band, the quad, the hip flexors, the low back. Now, chances are that there's a good chance that person's knees mm-hmm. are going to be a lot less, are going to feel a lot less pain in that same, even if they don't change their squat technique, yeah. just from the muscles absorbing forces better. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that actually reminds me of another scenario I had with one of my college guys this summer. He's been in and out of the program over a, the, a couple of years. But he came in with like bilateral knee pain this summer, and I mean, of course, there was no major, you know, significant diagnosis or anything. It was just rest, ice, compress, elevate, Advil, whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> and due to the volume of people that we had here this summer, it was difficult for me to be able to get the newbie on him to be able to work on things. And what we did was utilize extreme isometrics to help regain the proper alteration of the muscle around the joint because mm-hmm. when you do I, i'm sorry but the squats are not back chain dominant I'm, I'm sorry i don't really care what people say you can argue with me all you want that's fine i don't care the bottom line is 
when you go down and <clears throat> excuse me, when we go down, if we're initiating the move with the knee, the knee's going to take a ton of pressure. And because we're actually lowering with the quad, we're not actively pulling with the hamstring. There's why it's not a back chain dominant move, okay? But the point of that is as we're lowering with the quad, that's not the quad's job. If you want to be a bodybuilder, fine, do that. If you want to be a powerlifter, fine, do that. If you want to be an athlete, pull down with the hamstrings. So this individual's college did a lot of squatting and it was just repetitive lowering 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 so what ends up happening there the quads and the hamstrings stop communicating the way that they need to and the knee starts to take a beating because of it Mm -hmm. so we use extreme isometrics to fix that yeah and i I gotta give a shout out to to you and i did a a interview months ago actually closer to a year ago uh, with a gentleman named George Benet that you will never hear because the audio there was the, yeah. there was something wrong with the audio. Uh, the information was fine, but the but the audio quality was terrible. Well, George uh, owns a company called Pure Motion, which makes attachments for the the landmines. All right, the, you put the bar in the landmine, and then you put mm-hmm. the the attachment on the other end. By the way, we're talking about strength equipment landmine, not not weapons. Okay, so let's. Uh, you know, just to keep the FCC happy there. <laughs> we're, we're talking about a piece of equipment. Anyway, so he makes attachments that go on these uh, on the the uh, on the user end of the bar that's attached to the landmine. Well, he has a squat attachment called a wishbone, which you push forward, you push up and forward more like a um, more at an angle. And what, one of the things that we've noticed, and I still, I've been trying to figure this out, exactly how it works, but we've had people with, whose knees hurt doing every kind of squat you could think of. We put them on the landmine, and they don't hurt, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. So, and it's, we don't really, you know, all we do is, is they're, again, they're pushing up and forward a little bit as opposed to straight up, and now they don't hurt anymore. So that's mm-hmm. uh you know you know you can check out puremotion.net and and check out the the wishbone you know for something like that it's uh it works it works yeah. i mean we've seen it many times mm-hmm. where you know squats hurt their knees but wish, wishbone squats don't so and then there's a couple other basic elements you can dig into as well foot position plays a role in it sure <clears throat> that's one tissue quality plays another role in it as well so you kind of talked about using the newbie to loosen it up. Also do things like, I say foam rolling, but I don't really like foam rolling a whole lot. I'm more of let's get a lacrosse ball and dig in there and bust up those adhesions. Get in there and break stuff up, especially if you've been doing squats where it's in a lowering type of pattern. Things are going to get locked in. And so using some type of release like that will just help improve tissue quality, right? Just basic stuff. Yep. And yeah. you know what the the thing is is try some of these things, you know. And if it doesn't, it, it something should help. And if it, you know, and now we'll say this: tendonitis type pain, we'll call kind of tendon pain, like around the kneecap, above or below the kneecap, around the kneecap. You know, those are probably the easier to deal with type pain. Um, I have in a couple of cases dealt with someone who had what they knew was a torn meniscus. You know, and mm-hmm. the and the swelling was more deep in the joint. You know, we probably had less success 
being able to squat through, you know, finding uh, uh, alternative squat patterns for someone like that, then then except for the except for the box squat, you know, they they could be able to box squat better, but um, but most of the other techniques will not help that person necessarily. But uh, but for the tendonitis type pain around the knee, the kneecap type pain, we found good success with some of the things that you and I have discussed. Yeah. Yeah, so there's a couple different ways. Hopefully that'll that'll help. And but I would be more than willing to bet that if you take a quick look at the video, it's going to be a knee dominant type of squat rather than initiating the move with the hips. Yes, I'd say agreed. that's probably one of the most common things. Absolutely. So, yeah, that was uh, that was good. Is that all we got, or we got another uh, one? Uh, that's all we got. That's cool. all we got for today, John. All right, good deal. Well, that's the show, guys. If you got some value out of this, if you didn't uh, completely hate us. We gave you something good. Share the show, guys. That's all we ask. Pay your dues. Appreciate you guys. Talk to you soon.